Hello, and welcome to the Canine Conversations podcast, where we're positively obsessed with behavior. Join us every other week as we discuss case studies, explore training concepts, and interview experts in the field of behavior. Today's episode includes myself, Ursa Acri, co-owner of Canis Major Dog Training, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, who I will let introduce yourself. Hi, guys. I'm Kayla from Journey Dog Training based in Missoula, Montana, and online wherever you want in the world. <laughs> Literally anywhere. <laughs> Literally. I, I mean, as long as you've got either phone or internet. Nice. So as crazy as it seems, uh, the holidays are now upon us. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I know. Somehow 2020 has both been the shortest and the longest year ever. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. because this holiday season is sure to be really different than any we've experienced before. And we know that a lot of people probably won't be able to spend time with their loved ones. Some will. Um, and for those of you who are fortunate enough to get together with friends or family, we know that your dog's behavior can be an additional source of stress on top of the normal stressors that come along with the holidays, like hosting and cooking and socializing and getting along and the potential of having to talk about politics with your family <laughs> and now also COVID. So in an effort to help reduce holiday stress and make it a more enjoyable time for you and your guests and your dog. In this episode, we're going to focus on um, sharing some of our favorite training and management tips to help prepare your dog for any holiday festivities you might have planned. And this could be whether you're hosting or whether you're taking your dog with you to a gathering, um, just anytime you expect your dog to be around, you know, a gathering of friends and family and potentially their dogs as well. Absolutely. So we're going to start out with um, just some things that are sort of lower on the hierarchy that are um, low-hanging fruit. So pretty easy stuff for anybody to do that requires less effort and less preparation on your part. And if you happen to be listening to this and it's like two days until uh, Thanksgiving and you're like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I don't have time to train my dog. Um, this is the, this is the part for you, but these tips can help literally anyone. And, mm -hmm. and if all you do is management, um, you can still have a successful event. So, um, Kayla, do you want to start us off with, um, some, some sort of basic first, first yeah, line of, of defense tips? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first thing that I think about um, when I'm thinking about having my dog in um, a big hectic environment is making sure that his exercise needs are really well met. Um, that, you know, as you guys know, I have a very active border collie. Um, so that's kind of something that's always top of mind for me. Um, and what I actually really like doing is, you know, doing a nice variety, which is what we kind of do on our, our you know, our normal day. So we, we go for a walk, we do a puzzle toy. Um, we, might do a run or a hike at some point. But what I really, really like over holidays is planning on taking a mid, a long midday break with the dog for some physical exercise and quiet time. Mm -hmm. um, so just, you know, and I'm lucky enough where my family tends to do holidays is out at um, my grandparents' old place on a little lake in Wisconsin. Um, and it's about a 10 minute drive from the ice age through hike trail. So I can take barley there and then we can hike, um, 
it's flat. It's nothing all that, you know, coming from Montana, it's nothing all that incredible, (laughs) but it is, I mean, it's beautiful. It's open. There's no one there. I can, and it's really nice for both of us as a way to reset. So, you know, making sure you're meeting your dog's exercise needs, but the other kind of pro tip I'll sneak in on top of that is don't just think, okay, I'm going to take them for a two hour run before we leave. Like also thinking about these breaks, um, in between uh, all the festivities. And I know personally, even as an extrovert, there are times where mm-hmm. I enjoy just getting out and away from, oh, excuse me, away from the family for an hour or two. Yeah, it's a good mental health break for people too. And a great excuse. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if, you, if you personally need that break, it's great to be able to say like, oh, I got to take the dog for a walk. Sorry guys, I'll be back in half an hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I do want to want to note that, um, you know, every dog's exercise needs are, are different. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of clients for which like a casual stroll through the neighborhood isn't really enough. It's not, I would consider that more enrichment than exercise. And for those clients, I'll say like, get out the flirt pole, do a fetch session, um, you know, play tug, do the, the K Lawrence mouse game where you throw treats and the dog has to chase them. And then you call them back. Um, all that kind of stuff. If your dog needs more than just a walk, um, or if you don't have the ability to take them on like a more intense hike. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I love flare poles. Um, Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. And they're especially for dogs where their tugging skills aren't great, or maybe they don't like tug. Yeah. Most dogs you can entice into some amount of flirt pole. Um, mm-hmm. Those of you listening with setters, pointers, and some border collies might have a little bit less luck because the setters and pointers tend to freeze and the border collies right. tend to get hurty. <laughs> um, but that's still enrichment for them, even if they're not getting physical exercise out of it. Um, it's very true. So. And a training session can be great, Absolutely. you know, mental exercise. Yeah. Um, Barley and I do a ton of just like, sit down stand repetitions i mean that's mm-hmm. great for his core it's great for his butt and mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah yeah just doggy push-ups and it's something you can do with their breakfast kibble before you head out um and you know helping make sure that they've they've got a good tired going at, right. if, if anything um rather than that like exhausted stressful tired that they might get from just being around people um and dogs and food and football is a huge part of my family's get together. So there's a lot of like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> during the poker game, like it's yelling. Just, yeah. 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 It's very stressful for a dog. who's not used to living in a football household. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, so the other thing that I like to tell people is that um, exercise is not a cure all. I think no. thanks to one particular famous TV trainer, um, we've gotten sort of this conventional wisdom going around that like you can fix everything with exercise. Not true. Um, but you will notice if your dog is under exercise, so it can make a big difference. It's not going to solve a behavior issue. Um, it's, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle. So just keep that in mind. Even if your dog, if you have, if you have a normal, well-adjusted dog, exercise should be enough to keep them to take the edge off for a a family gathering. But, um, don't think that your stranger aggressive or fearful or whatever dog is going to be fine with just some exercise. So certainly. And and keeping in mind that the day is going to be tiring for them as well. So the exercise will help take the edge off of them, but 
you don't really want an exhausted dog either, um, right. unless you're really trying to get the dog ready for a day of heavy management. Um, mm-hmm. In which case, then, yeah, uh, a lot of heavy exercise might be helpful to get the dog to settle in a crate better. Um, but if the dog is going to be like loose with the family, having them be really tired might not actually help their like patience and impulse control. <laughs> yeah. As, as a parent, I'm thinking of having an overly tired uh, preschooler, for example. <laughs> yeah. It actually isn't good. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I certainly don't take barley on massive exercise outings um, when we're around family. It's, you know, it's, it's enough for him, but it's not, it's not going to be the day that we're out, you know, really kicking his butt. Mm-hmm. So in addition to exercise, some other really easy um, things that you can do to help support your dog's sort of like mental health, overall well-being um, are calming supplements. Mm-hmm. And these are, so I want to preface this by saying that neither Kayla nor I are vets or vet techs, but um, as a behavior consultant, um, you know, there are some supplements that I've worked with enough and, um, you know, just have enough experience with and work closely with, I work closely with veterinary behaviorists as well, um, to be able to recommend some that are really safe, um, low or no side effects, um, may work, might not, but, um, couldn't hurt to try in most cases. And I think if you've listened to our podcast, you know, that we're really careful about the phrase, uh, can't hurt might help because we do think that anything that delays treatment does hurt, even if it doesn't. Yeah hurt in a material sense. Um, we don't want to, uh, delay treatment for a dog that really needs something more. But if we're talking about like, what can I use to help my dog feel calmer? Kind of like if we were going to take a, um, you know, a supplement to help take the edge off L-theanine or something like that. So Kayla, you want to go over some of these with us? Yeah. So there's a ton of options. I've personally used a couple of them. So I'll start with the ones that I've personally used or had clients use. So, um, I've used Composure. Barley used to get Composure treats pretty regularly um, when I worked 10-hour days. Um, I was just like, you know, this can't hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know we just said, uh, you know. Yeah, that. no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, was, it was kind of part of the plan um, of keeping him sane when I was working 10-hour days plus a commute on either end. Um, so Composure, which has um, L-theanine and a couple other things in it. Um, they're pretty readily available. Um, they're just mostly chewable treats. Most dogs like them and eat them pretty mm-hmm. readily. Mm-hmm. Um, Adaptil, which can come in as spray or diffuser or collar. I don't, uh, are there any others? Uh, I think that's it. Of? Yeah. I, think that's it. I usually recommend the spray and I'll tell clients to either, um, spray it on a bandana and put the bandana on their dog's neck or like spray it on their pants or on their dog's bed. Um, but you don't want to spray it obviously directly on your, it's not a cologne. <laughs> yes. Don't put it on so, your dog. Don't put it on your dog. But yeah. I, and adaptil is DAP, right? It's dog appeasing yeah. pheromone. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's a pheromone that's designed to mimic um, calming pheromones emitted by a lactating dog. Um, and that is one of those, this is, this one's really interesting to me because I, I have had a lot of clients who have tried it. And I would say that the vast majority, it doesn't really do anything or nothing noticeable. Yeah. But then I've had a few where it was astonishing 
the change that happened. Um, and so it's one of those that, and, and obviously there may be changes happening, happening on a physiological level that we can't observe. So it, there's, it's very possible that it's affecting dogs in, in a positive way and we just aren't seeing it. Can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see it. But, um, but I have had a couple of clients where the, the change was instantaneous and, and astonishing. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say in general, that's been my uh, experience with both that and composure, honestly. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I would say it seems like it works really, really well with, for some dogs and other dogs, like with Barley, I kind of kept giving him the composure, even though I wasn't noticing a huge difference. Yeah. Um, because there's a chance it's doing, you know, I don't necessarily look all that different to an outsider after I've had a nice mug of chamomile tea, Right. but I do feel better. Um, yeah, exactly. And L-theanine is, we know, has, a, um, you know, calming anxiety relieving effects. Like I've taken it before, after like a little too much coffee or, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so then, so yeah, so there's Adaptil, there's Composure, um, there's Zilkeen, which is a milk, um, milk one. I don't mm-hmm. know nearly as much about Zilkeen or the other ones we have written down, um, so same. And I do know a little bit more about CBD. Um, my experience with CBD has actually been pretty similarly mixed, um, for dogs. I know a lot of people swear up and down by it. And I know I've heard people from people that I really, really trust, um, that it has done wonders for their dogs. But, um, the, the big thing with CBD is there's huge variety in, um, quality depending on where you get it from um so it's kind of hard to say like the the ones that i have tested out have primarily been ones that they sent free samples to journey dog training in exchange for a review and i haven't been impressed with any of them but that doesn't mean that there isn't a cbd product out there that would do more yeah i um i've had a ton of clients use CBD, you know, it's big here in Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And then, um, I've used it myself in, um, some of my dogs as well. And what I've found is that, um, I've, I've not it, anecdotally, I've not had any clients report side effects and I have not noticed side effects in my dogs. Um, what I have found it to be most useful for, for, for my dogs personally is restlessness. My dogs are both mm-hmm. older they're 11 and a half and 13 and a half. And, um, uh, my border collie zip especially gets agitated over, I mean, nothing that I can tell. Like she definitely went through a change when my son went from being a, a, you know, a baby blob to a moving living human being, but, um, and CBD helped her through that transition. And then actually over the last maybe four to six months, um, they've become, they had become a little more restless at night and adding CBD to their bowl at night has actually helped uh, resolve that issue as well. So, you know, again, it's one of those things that it's the, the quality varies widely. Um, we, there aren't a lot of trials to show, you know, what the effects actually are, but, um, it seems to be fairly safe as long as you're getting a good quality product seems to be a low incidence of side effects, um, and could help take the edge off for sure. Um, I feel like it's, its best application is probably with older dogs, just because that's where I've seen the most, um, improvement in both my dogs and my clients' dogs. So, yeah. Yeah. um, 
Sam E is a compound that just helps regulate hormones. It's oh, actually okay. produced in um, in your body, and it's used in people too. Um, oh, cool. I do have less experience with that one, but it's just a dietary supplement, um, and I know it's one that um, the vet behaviorists that I work with um, often recommend. So that's something that you could, you know, talk with your vet about or investigate before trying it with your dog. But again, seems to be fairly safe. And yeah, Zilkeen, I don't really have a ton of experience with either. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's always the option to talk to your vet about any heavier hitters. Um, so if you do have, like, say you're hosting for the first time, I've got a friend who um, last year for Thanksgiving, I think, hosted for the first time ever. And she has a little rescue dog that has a lot of anxieties and a lot of idiosyncrasies. Um, and he's actually already on several long-term anti-anxiety medications. And I believe she spoke to the vet about getting some stuff to help him through situationally. Um, And, you know, she also was doing a ton of work as far as like getting him out, getting him super comfortable with his quiet area, which we're transitioning to talking to talking about next. Um, But yeah, and it's always, even with this over the counter stuff, it's smart to run it past your vet because there are potential interactions that Mm -hmm. you just can't know about and we can't know about. There's tons of stuff that you can get over the counter that's not necessarily going to be safe for all dogs. Like uh, the classic example is ivermectin or ivermectin, which is a common um, anti-flea anti-parasite thing um, that a ton of collies are allergic to. Mm -hmm. Um, And like dogs can die from this like over the counter stuff. Um, So the point being just talk to your vet, even if it's something that you can get over the counter at Petco. Um, And especially if you're thinking that like, okay, the situation is such that it doesn't make sense to get my dog into a dog sitters. um, And the dog's going to have to be around and deal with this. And it's going to be really hard for him or her. Let's talk to the vet about something heavier. Yeah. And I just want to put in a plug for (laughs) behavior medication because Mm -hmm. You know, and as a trainer and behavior consultant, obviously I am a huge, huge advocate of, um, you know, using behavior modification to, to help resolve issues. Um, that's what I do, but, uh, some dogs brains can't get there without help. Just like people, some dogs brains are not, um, are not in a place where they can be successful with, um, you know, in intense situations, intense triggers without, um, without medication. And, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of clients about it. Um, not every dog needs it. I'm not pushing drugs, but, um, there are dogs that for whatever reason, whether it's a lack of of socialization or a history of trauma or you name it, um, their brains need help and medication is the way to get that done. So, um, you know, the, the widely recommended and widely prescribed anxiety medications for dogs are very safe and we've been using them in humans for decades and the incidence of side effects is extremely low. And so if you have a dog that has trouble coping with a lot of different kinds of situations or their reaction is extreme, or they seem to have a lot of different triggers or they have trouble recovering, um, those are all signs that I look for uh, where I'm, I would say like, let's talk to your vet about medication. So just keep that in mind. Um, they can, they can really do a, a world of good. And I certainly know more than a handful of dogs that would not be alive if not for 
behavior meds. So, um, that's it. That's my pitch. Don't be afraid of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, there's all sorts of really awesome situational meds, um, are going to be great for holiday stuff. You know, it's, um, if your dog generally gets along pretty well, you might not need something that is, you know, you might not need a long-term thing but for these like specific really intense situations i'm actually barley and i are going to be flying here in Mm -hmm. two weeks and um i think i'm going to be talking to the vet about some situational meds to help him through that he's flown in the past in in the plane before but i think he's going cargo this time we're not quite sure yet um and yeah i mean i think i'm probably going to give him some drugs to help him through that yeah i mean Uh, because it's so hard I don't fly without taking a shot of bourbon at the airport first. So, <laughs> yeah, I certainly avoid caffeine. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So you know, just like we and and you know, I say that jokingly, but that is a form of medication. Like uh-huh. I, I like I, I need a little bit of the edge taken off. I don't want the the long lasting effects of like um, necessarily a. Um, like a prescription medication because I have to be able to be functional when I get to where I'm going. But, um, but I'm a really nervous flyer and I, and I just want something that doesn't, you know, that makes me a little kind of takes the edge off. And so, you know, we can, we can help our dogs in the same way by helping them take the edge off with some behavioral meds. Um, you know, like you said, not all dogs are going to need them. Not all dogs are going to need them long-term, but if you do have a dog that, um, just has those extreme reactions that we talked about, it could be a game changer for sure. So, yeah. All right. So let's move up the ladder and talk a little bit about management. Um, Mm -hmm. Management is what you do when you can't necessarily fix a situation, but you want to prevent something from happening. So it's things like, um, you know, keeping your dog out of a situation that's going to be a problem or keeping other dogs away from them or keeping your dog busy so they can't get into trouble we use management really, really heavily and not just with puppies. Mm -hmm. Um, all dogs can benefit from good management. So one of the first things that, um, we, that I talk about with my clients is enrichment and enrichment is like keeping your dog busy. Um, and you know, again, as a parent, I'm extremely familiar with this concept of (laughs) here, why don't you sit here and work on your coloring book instead of running around and pulling books off the shelves? Um, so enrichment toys are a great way to keep your dog out of trouble and keep them busy and engaged with something appropriate so that they don't choose to make their own fun. Yes, um, yeah, exactly. It's giving them the right stuff to do so they don't get creative. Yeah. So most okay. of the time when our dogs get creative, we don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, Cause they're going to choose what is fun for a dog and what is fun for a dog is usually often something that we don't want them doing in our homes digging or chewing or barking or running and bouncing off of the furniture. Um, so what's your favorite enrichment toy? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> well, depends on the situation. Fair. I did, I mean, I, yeah. I do a lot of chewy bully sticks. Um, you know, I, I love chewing enrichment. I feel like my dog um, and many dogs are a little bit better at like, chewing than they are at snuffling or licking when they're excited Mm -hmm. um that's super anecdotal but i've noticed um like barley will do this thing where he's like really excited that i'm home and he runs a couple laps and then he grabs a chew toy and he lies down and he's like like has to like really like work it out um and 
he will leave a Kong and not do the same. Like he won't lick a Kong when he's really excited. Um, so, you know, your mileage may vary depending on the dog. Um, but yeah, I, I really like chewy stuff, especially for these like intense uh, emotional times. Um, although uh, uh, obviously with a huge caveat of if your dog is a resource garter, um, we're going to have mm-hmm. to have another layer of management in here. Yeah. Um, to, to make sure your dog feels comfortable eating with people nearby and not worried that they're going to take stuff from him. Um, yeah. And even if your dog isn't a resource guarder, um, being really, really crystal clear with family members and especially young family members, um, <clears throat> you know, Bar- I would not call Barley a dog who resource guards generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the situation of like a Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, you know, it wouldn't take too much extra stress for me to imagine him getting pretty crabby over someone bothering him while he's eating. Um, right. Yeah. Which is in a way he wouldn't normal. normally. Yeah. 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 Which is fair. It's that trigger stacking effect of like, there's a lot going on. I'm stressed out. I'm worried about being stepped on. It's noisy. And somebody's coming to take my stuff. Like that's yeah. the last straw. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Even, and that's a really good point. So, you know, to go off, off topic a little bit here. Um, the dog that you know that you have in your home and that you are used to is not necessarily the same dog you'll get at a large social gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with people, you know, our demeanors change based on the situation that we're in. And, <clears throat> you know, your, your dog might be the sweetest dog in the world, but that doesn't mean that if they hit a point where they've been pushed too far, that they won't react to that with bearing teeth, growling, snapping, biting. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's our responsibilities as our dog's guardians. And I, I, we actually do talk about this, so it's not really getting that off topic, but, um, you might not have the same, you might, your dog might surprise you. Your dog's behavior might surprise you in that situation. So just keep that in mind. Um, I agree. I love chewing enrichment. I, I do love Kongs. I think the, again, anecdotally, the licking can have sort of a calming effect if, if the dog will engage with it. Yeah. Um, and then, and snuffle mat, like the sniffing as well, I think can have a, all of it, all of it is good. Um, stress relief. It's kind of like, you know, a, uh, squeezing a stress ball or, um, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing for, for humans. So I, you know, there's a variety of different kinds of enrichment toys. If you have time, I would suggest trialing several different ones to see what your dog really loves. Yeah. Um, I have that- a couple couple on hand. I will say, again, part of the reason I I prefer, I travel with a snuffle mat and um, some bully sticks. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to travel with Kongs just because they don't pack They're as messy. well. Yeah. Um, and especially if, you, yeah, if you're doing like frozen and wet, it's just, it's goopy, it's nasty. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I will have both available to me. Um, and as like, I mean, literally every time I go to agility class, I have like a whole bag for this stuff, but then also when I'm doing, uh, any, you know, any family stuff, uh, or big gatherings. Cool. So, so in addition to enrichment toys, um, <clears throat> some other management strategies include just, um, knowing where your dog is and maybe keeping them away from the action. Um, so using tools like a crate, a baby gate, an X pen, um, keeping your dog on leash, putting a muzzle on your dog. Those are all management strategies that kind of keep your dog safe and prevent them from being able to get into trouble. 
Um, <clears throat> muzzle might be really startling to some people. Um, I love muzzles. Kayla, I know you love muzzles. Mm-hmm. They're great tools to keep a dog safe. But in addition, and this is funny, so I should tell you this. Um, when I'm talking to clients about muzzles for the first time, and I can tell that they're kind of having that, like, I don't really want to put my dog in a muzzle. I tell them about Barley wearing a muzzle so that he can't grab sticks. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> like, there are a lot of different reasons that people put yeah. muzzles on their dogs. And some of them have nothing to do with biting somebody. Um, yep. We had a, a dog that we worked with and who is still a client, um, a wonderful family and dog who um, the puppy had a compulsive rock eating habit. Yeah. And, and I think I've talked about her before, but to the point where she was going to die if she kept eating rocks. And we taught her to wear a muzzle um, while we were doing, you know, her other behavior modifications so that mm-hmm. mom and dad could take her on a walk without worrying that she was going to die. So yep. <laughs> muscles are awesome for a variety of reasons. <clears throat> that doesn't give you the license to put your dog in a bad situation. So if you're using it because you don't want your dog to bite somebody, um, that doesn't mean that you get to put them in a situation where they feel like are they going need to, to bite feel somebody. like, yeah, 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 <clears throat> yeah. But they can be a great backup safety net. Um, if you mm-hmm. have to bring your dog with you and you are worried, or if your dog maybe has one thing in their history that concerns you, um, and they're a lovely visual reminder for people to, um, give space. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really um, good, like, Oh yeah, this dog should yeah. have some space. Um, or even if you're worried that your dog is going to like snatch a turkey bone that somebody drops and not give it up. Yeah. Great, great reason to wear a muzzle. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. What else? Um, doors, X pens, baby gates. Um, in the so we had a Christmas a couple of years ago when I was home where we had, God, it was like seven dogs and fifteen people in this little two bedroom lake house. Oh my god! Um, it was insane. And one of the dogs was a really, really gnarly resource guarder, um, like would beeline across the house to attack another dog that was eating. Um, she lived alone normally. So normally this wasn't a huge deal, but we had like this, this whole system of like the dogs eating in shifts with like one dog in the sunroom with the door closed, another got dog baby gated into the kitchen and then a dog in the bathroom and the dog in the, you know, it, and we had to do that. And this was, you know, I don't live in a family of dog trainers. This is not in my blood, um, <laughs> but using <clears throat> baby gates and expense and doors um, to your advantage can be so helpful. Um, and, and, and part of this story as well, I think, comes down to one of our next points, which is communicating with your friends, family, loved ones about what your dog and you are going to need throughout the day and how to, mm-hmm. how to navigate that. We actually, I think the first incident where we found out that Trinity was a resource guarder to the level where she would be lying across the house and attack another dog was because that's what she did. And no one knew that was going to happen because she yeah. lived alone. Um, her owners were shocked as well, but after... Um, after that, every time my cousins brought her, you know, we, we always, they always briefed everyone and reminded everyone. And we we're really careful about how and when and where the dogs were being fed. Um, yeah. But yeah, the point is, I, I, I love these baby gates and tethers. Um, all of these physical barriers, um, again, they can help keep your dog safe from other people or dogs. Um, so if you've got a lot of toddlers or other young kids in the family, you know, an X-Pen 
will at least slow them down in most cases, right. <laughs> um, which gives you a chance to supervise more effectively versus if the dogs are weaving in and out of everyone's legs and moving freely throughout the house, it's going to be really, really hard to keep an eye on what's going on. Um, and yeah, you yeah. can give your dog, give your dog a nice chew, put them behind a baby gate and they're part of the action in a way that works for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. They can be there without having to be like in the middle of everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, like that whole, like weaving in between everyone's legs, trying to convince someone to drop a cupcake. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, some dogs are totally fine with it. Some dogs are totally copacetic, yeah. but yeah. um, it's a lot to ask of any dog. And especially if you've got multiple dogs, um, yeah. it's just, it's, it's a lot. And if you have children running around, um, <clears throat> I only have one and like one child can cause a ton of chaos. Um, so especially <laughs> if you have more than one child, um, and, and, you know, this is something that just goes anytime kids and dogs are together. Supervision is so, so it's crucial. You like, you can't not do it. Um, yeah. even if you think your dog is the most, you know, precious, kind, patient dog in the world. Again, if you trigger stack and you've got all this other stuff going on and then you throw a child into the mix that maybe pulls on the dog's tail or steps on them or falls on them or whatever, um, you can get a reaction that you don't expect. And so supervision, there's no, there's no substitute for it because, you know, I, I yeah. am also a big advocate for teaching kids to give dogs space. And especially if you teach a kid, nothing else, teach them to let the dog come to them, not for them to go to the dog. So mm -hmm. like, um, pet, pet paws is, uh, a, procedure that I really like. There's a cute video. If you Google pat, pet, pause, it teaches um, kids to invite the dog over for petting and then give them a break and see if they want more. But, um, at the end of the day, you're still talking about relying on a child to remember to do something. And that <laughs> is not likely to happen, especially in a big chaotic gathering. Yeah. Like as adults, we have to be the ones to make sure that we're paying close enough attention that we aren't, you know, distracted or drinking too much or what, or paying attention to the football game or whatever. We have to be the ones to be paying enough attention that we can step in before something bad happens. Um, so I cannot stress that enough. Supervise your kids mm -hmm. when there are dogs around. Um, and it's yeah. different. It's, it's just not the same situation as you being at your home on a chill night with your kid and your dogs, it's, it's not the same when you've got a big gathering that's, um, you know, people, lots of stuff going on out of the ordinary. Maybe you're in a different place. It's just not the same. And so you can't have the same expectations for your kid or your dog um, and other people's dogs too. Like if, if, if there are um, dogs and children that are not, do not live in the same household. They don't know each other. Um, like my dogs are really, really good with my son. I mean, exceptionally good. I'm so, so, so lucky. And I trust them. Um, I, I know they have good bite inhibition if it ever came to that. I know that they understand what he's like and how he behaves and how to get out of his way. And I know that he's heard from me, you know, multiple times a day, every day of his life to give space. But if I were to take him somewhere where there was somebody else's dogs, I would not make any of those assumptions. Or if I were to take my dog somewhere where there were someone else's kids, I wouldn't make any of those assumptions. Yeah. So just, you know, big, big, big thing to keep in mind and something that is really important to keep everybody safe. So. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't have kids around, um, you know, I mean, so 
the only bite that Barley has Barley bit someone um, was to an adult who had been drinking. Oh um, my gosh. Who, Yes, I had to uh, yell at a guy for petting Nico too aggressively who was drunk at a brewery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy held, he had Barley's um, face mm-hmm. in his hands, you know, either he, like holding Barley's face still and bent down to kiss him on the forehead. Oh, and my Barley God. nipped him in the nose. Um, oh, my God. And I mean, I was mortified at the time. And it's been several years <clears throat> now. And, you know, more and more, it's just like, yeah, I mean, supervising, I especially like, oh, gosh, I mean, I hate to throw uncles under the bus, but like, <laughs> man, I have a couple uncles that I would not trust unsupervised with my dog, especially after a couple beers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So people get too comfortable with dogs too quickly. I think Yeah, they assume yeah. all dogs want to be their best friend immediately. And all dogs want them in their personal space. Um, and it is very childlike <laughs> because that's how kids behave, you know? No mm-hmm. sense of personal space, no sense of boundaries. Um, and, and grown adults do that with dogs. And especially, like you said, you know, after a couple of beers or whatever, the boundaries come down even more. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this kind of does, we're, we're leaping ahead again. We're, we're going to talk a, a little more about being an advocate for your dog. But we have a few more management things to cover. Yes. So. Yeah. So I think one of the next ones we had written down was giving your dog breaks. Um, so whether that's in a quiet room or in a covered crate in the quiet room, um, depending on where you are, you might be able to just put your dog in the car if they're comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that pretty <clears throat> liberally. Um, Barley is really relaxed in the car and I'll just, you know, go, go, let's go take a nap in the car. Sometimes I'll go sit with him and just scroll through Instagram, you know, it's the same like mental break thing. Yeah. Go for that play break that we talked about, that hike that, you know, we mentioned at the top. Um, and I do want to give your dog those breaks. Yeah. This, like, this is actually a great way if there are kids or family members that, that really want to interact with your dog. Um, a great structured way to do it is like, yeah, let's go out into the yard and I'll have you throw the ball for him. Mm-hmm. You know, or like, come, come on this walk with me or whatever. Um, appropriate ways to get your family involved with your dog that doesn't, entail them like invading your dog's personal space so that's a good opportunity to give people a chance to interact with your dog in a a productive way or kids too you know like a lot of kids love throwing the ball for the dog or that sort of thing so um you don't have to have a strict no contact but just make sure that um, you're doing it in a structured way yeah for sure which does bring us finally to the next point, which you may have noticed has been interwoven throughout mm-hmm. everything we've been talking about, which is be an advocate for your dog. Um, yeah. Kayla, what does that mean to you? Oh boy. Um, I mean, the first step is knowing your dog and knowing um, what is going to be challenging for your dog, or at the very least knowing what, could be challenging conceivably for a dog Um, and thinking pretty broadly about that. um, I have found a lot more success if I am very clear with family members before I even bring the dog in what the ground rules are going to be um, and then sticking to them versus trying to go in and correct people and reset them every time they do something that I thought was self-evident about how to interact with my dog. Uh, And this is something I have a ton of practice with with barley because one of his rules is that he's not allowed to play fetch indoors and (laughs) the number one thing that barley lives for is to play fetch he will bring you and like and that's this is what i tell people is i say all right so you know the one thing with barley he's really great um 
He's going to ask you to play fetch. He's going to be really cute. He's going to bring you a bunch of things. He's going to put them directly in your lap. He's going to sit nicely. The tip of his tail is going to be wagging. His tongue is going to be sticking out. Puppy dog eyes. Pupils are going to be violated. It's going to be the cutest thing you see all week. And you're going to ignore him. Don't and it's do gonna it. Suck. And I'm um, but for but my had, sanity. <laughs> yeah, I've had so much more success with that. And putting it that way, you know, like it, it, you, whatever it's going to be for you guys. Um, but having a spiel and then really sticking to that and getting out in front of it versus the first year or two that I had barley, I was doing a lot of like, oh, don't throw that. Oh, uh, no, can no, you no, actually no. not kick that either? Like, and uh, just throwing it six inches counts as throwing it. Please stop. You know, it just, it sucked for everyone. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, being really clear about like, I know he's going to be really cute. If he keeps putting toys in your lap, I'm going to walk over, take the toy and put it on top of the fridge. Mm -hmm. um for both of your sakes <laughs> um and uh yeah so so that's a big part of it and then you know also being an advocate of as far as you know your dog's space and your dog's um your dog's needs as far as that goes you know that's going to vary again from dog to dog but you know mm -hmm. like hey you know little cousin timmy <laughs> when the dog is behind the gate eating food we're going to leave, you know, like, how about you and I go over here and go work on the jigsaw puzzle or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, whatever yeah. that is. But part of why I actually prefer not to bring Barley with me to a lot of these events is because, and we were talking about this before we hopped on, um, it means you have to be in dog trainer mode all the time. Being a good advocate for your dog means that you need to be aware of where your dog is, what he's doing um, and what's going what on with him. To him. Yeah. Um, kind of constantly. And I would rather, you know, feel free to have a couple eggnogs and, <laughs> right. you know, just like focus on, you know, the, the, the game of Rummy we're playing and, you know, like not be thinking about where my dog is and what he's doing and who's interacting with him and whether or not he's got food, whether or not he's convinced someone to play with him with a sock, you know, uh, <laughs> right. <it's> just, <laughs> I have a lot more fun um, without it. So we do, I do a lot of really heavy management and that's, um, and a lot of really heavy, um, proactive advocating. So do you have anything to add there? Um, <clears throat> no, I think, I mean, I think set boundaries and stick to them. Um, I, I, I also think it's important to like sort of know when to fold them. Um, so know when to, you know, I, I think I put in the notes, know when to leave, but what I really mean is know when to get your dog out of there like cut your mm, losses. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to be able to recognize and stick to saying, okay, if I'm seeing my dog exhibiting, you know, these behaviors or this level of anxiety, or if this happens, you know, and, and I don't, not that I think you should wait for something bad to happen, but like if you're finding yourself feeling stressed or overreacting or feeling like you have to be hypervigilant, that's maybe a good sign that your dog should go home or, yeah you know, like you said, go in, in and sit in the car for a bit if appropriate or go into a bedroom or a crate or the backyard or just get them out of there. Like it's, it's, I think it's a, you know, a really important trait to have to be able to recognize like when, when to just say it's time to, it's time to quit. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, as humans, we're kind of wired to be like, well, just a little bit more, well, just a little bit longer. Well, let's just see what happens. And I, I even tell my clients, if you hear that little voice in your head, that's a sign that it's time to quit because yeah. 
that means that you're not sure or that you're sort of subconsciously feeling like you're getting close to the limit or your dog is getting mm-hmm. close to the limit um, or in training. I feel like it's a sign that you're not sure they can be successful. And so those are all reasons to say like, we're going to call it here um, while things are still okay. And maybe bring the dog back later, or maybe, you know, do some training and get ready for the next gathering, or maybe decide my dog doesn't like this. And so we're going to find something else and somewhere else for them to be when I, I go to big gatherings. So, and this can go, you know, I do want to point out this goes for every, like, you know, here in Colorado, it's a big thing for people to, well, pre COVID, I guess it was a big thing for people to take their dogs to like breweries and Mm -hmm. coffee shops and outdoor restaurants and, dog park. I mean, it's, it's a very dog heavy city in Denver. Um, and you know, everybody wants to be able to take their buddy with them everywhere they go. But like, sometimes you have a dog that either isn't good at that stuff or doesn't like it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's who they are. And so I think knowing and respecting your dog's limits is really important because they can't speak, you know, being an advocate is, is standing up for somebody that can't can't do it for themselves. Yeah. And that's what we need to be doing for our dogs, even when it's not what we would like. So, um, yeah. All right. So these are all things that, um, are, are sort of like last minute. You don't necessarily need to have a lot of prep beforehand. You can do it the day of, you can do it the day before. Um, we want to now talk about some things that you'll need to practice in advance. So some training stuff and the management works for every dog. Um, you know, that you can, you can figure out a management solution for any dog. Um, the training stuff you're going to have to work on and every dog is going to respond a little bit differently. Um, but you need some lead time. You can't just start the day before and say, I'm going to teach my dog to relax on a mat. Um, so these are some tips for, just some behaviors that we really like for dogs to have pretty fluently in order to be successful at family gatherings. And this goes for dogs that maybe don't have issues with anxiety or aggression or um, no behaviors that you're necessarily worried about, but you just want to have like a well-mannered dog to, to, um, you know, kind of be around and be um, a good addition to your, your gathering. So we picked out a few behaviors that we really like. So Kayla, I'll have you go first with your favorite. Ooh, uh, I'm going to do relax on your mat. Okay. No surprise. Um, and so, yeah, this is just, it's a basic stationing behavior, getting your dog comfortable with lying somewhere specific while stuff is happening all around them. I generally start off using Karen Overall's relaxation protocol for this. Um, that's kind of my go-to way to teach it. I modify it a little bit from what it says on um, her official protocol in that um, I have the dog lying down on a station. Um, the protocol actually says to have the dog sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't release the dog in between every um, every step, which is just a common question. I don't know what what actually it's intended to, whether you're intended to or not. Um, I don't remember. I don't uh, think so. That was, that's I, never been my impression. Yeah. But I get that yeah. question a lot from, oh, from clients. Yeah, huh. it, like it's super duper common where they're like, do I release them in between every step or do I just keep wow. going? I don't hear um, that very much. I, 
I don't know if I'm explaining it wrong or what. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, no. I, I, it's like one of my most common like YouTube comments even. And, and it's funny because it's on a video where I'm demonstrating it and the dog is clearly not getting up in between each rep. So I don't, I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how I teach it. Um, I like, and especially, it, you know, so you can teach that. You can't use it until you train it. Um, but in a... Uh, in the family gathering holiday environment, mm -hmm. I will generally give my dog some amount of backup on top of the stationing on top of the relaxing on your mat sort of thing. So they might be on their favorite mat getting rewarded for that, but I might have them behind a baby gate as well um, or behind an X pen. Um, and part of that is for the visual barrier to get people to not go bother them because if the dog's job is to stay, stay put, um, they might be less likely to move away from something that's upsetting them. So that is a point of caution here is if your dog is really good at this relaxed down stay on a mat behavior, mm -hmm. and then someone is coming over and bothering them. I know Barley would do, would do this where he would be like, well, but it's my job to stay here. So I'm going to yeah. keep dealing with it. I might sit there and growl instead mm -hmm. of what he normally would do would just be to move away. So just know that you are removing your dog's, um, or reducing your dog's choice as far as moving away. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I find it super helpful. Point. And I like being able to send the dog somewhere as well. Um, we do that often as we're like, you know, pulling something out of the, the oven. It's just mm -hmm. like, all right, dogs, like everyone go to your mat, everyone go lie down, you know, um, they might not stay there for all that long, but it's so helpful to have a command that just gets yeah. the dog to move away from you. And it's like, yeah, you don't necessarily have to go to your bed here, but because going to your bed is what you're taught to do, then that's what we're going to use. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I, I always think back to when we did our um, episode on the top five behaviors, right? Do you remember mm -hmm. that one? You, me and Marissa. Yeah. And um, a comment that you made where you said, if nothing else, I want to have a cue that gets the dog to move away from me and a cue that gets the dog to come towards me. Yeah. And I think that was a brilliant way of putting it. Like if you teach your dog nothing else, you want something where you can say like, get out of my way quick or come to me quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, I honestly think I might amend that now too. I would also like one that means stay where you are. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, if I could have like down some amount of, yeah, yeah. Just, well, but I think stationing does that. Right. You know, it gets, yeah. it gets the dog away from you and gets them to stay where they are. So I think it, it can meet both of those needs, but, um, yes, anyway, absolutely. so yeah. relax on a mat stationing is amazing. It's, I mean, I, I think I probably teach almost every dog that I work with how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's great for when you're in the kitchen, like Kayla mentioned, when you're eating at the table, like the, the perfect family gathering in my mind is everybody's sitting at the table and all of the dogs are laying on their mats nearby. <laughs> so you don't have dogs underfoot. You don't have dogs breathing in your face. You don't have dogs competing for crumbs that drop under the table or guarding under chairs um, or tripping people as they get up for seconds. Like it's awesome. It's an awesome, awesome behavior. Um, and, and then just while hanging out. So like you mentioned, you're, you know, maybe you're having a beer and playing cards with your family and you, and you just want your dog to kind of lay down, um, calmly nearby. 
it's a great behavior and it transfers to so many other things in life too. So if you, if you're just teaching this for a holiday gathering or for a single event, um, I think you'll find that you use it for a lot of other, uh, a lot in a lot of other scenarios. So, um, can't say enough good about relax on a mat. Um, the next one that we really like that we think is super helpful for, um, for situations like holiday gatherings is, and I put, I've got either leave it or positive interrupter. And so to me, they're really interchangeable. Um, I think people think of them differently, but when you break it down, it's really just a cue that means, Hey, whatever you're doing or interested in, could you disengage could you with not. that and focus? <laughs> yeah. Could you not basically disengage with that and, and give me your attention? basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kayla and I were talking about this before we started recording and really the only difference really between how I've traditionally taught leave it and traditionally taught a positive interrupter is leave it. I usually start with operant conditioning, which is teaching the dog that the, they, if they leave an item alone, the consequences, they get the, they get a treat, they get reinforcement. And then the positive mm-hmm. interrupter, I usually start with classical. So we say the word, bacon or whatever, and then throw food, do that over and over. And eventually when the dog hears bacon, they snap out of it. And I, and I think, uh, and then that progresses eventually to operant. And so really for me, I think the only difference between leave it and positive interrupter is I learned to leave it early in my career before we used as much classical conditioning to teach what would eventually be an operant behavior. And then I learned yeah. positive interrupter later where I was, where there was a lot more of that. And so I really believe they're kind of the same thing. Again, it's sort of like a yeah. please disengage. They function kind of the same, yeah. I think they almost function identically. Yeah. I really do. Disengage with what you're doing and give me your attention. And the reason I like them um, is it's basically like a better way to say, no, don't do that. Um, yeah. You know, people yell no at their dogs a lot and they go, well, my dog kind of knows no, but not really. And it's usually because we don't give it any meaning. Um, But if you teach it to mean stop what you're doing and and look at me, then the dog understands what you're asking for. Right. Give them a thing to do. Yeah. Give them a thing to do. And that doesn't add tension to the situation either. So shouting no to a dog that's already like feeling stressed about whatever interaction they're having or whatever situation they're in can escalate it really quickly. Whereas if you teach the positive interrupter is sort of like a, Hey, you actually have a better choice here. Then they're more likely to disengage and do it. Um, And I really do feel like the classical conditioning version works exceptionally well. I mean, just astonishingly well. I've seen it interrupt dogs from um, running towards a dog fight. I've seen it interrupt dogs from intense play. I've seen it interrupt dogs from eating goose poop. I mean, you name it. Like if it's yeah. trying, if it's conditioned properly, it's awesome. So, yeah. you want to talk about some situations where you might use that cue at your at your holiday gathering? Yeah, I mean, so the first obvious one is going to be dropped food. Mm-hmm. Um, which just is going to happen. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but my right. family gatherings, there's food all over. Um, and then I also use, will use it to interrupt a dog who is sniffing a little bit too much at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a dog who has never yet stolen food while there is a human <laughs> in the room. Well, at least as long as I've owned him, he might've when he was a puppy. Um, <laughs> 
but I still will do, yeah, the, the positive interrupter of like, I see you looking at that. And I would like you to stop thinking about it. Just, just excuse don't. me. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. stressing yourself out, tempting yourself. Just, just cut it out. Like, just don't. you know, could yeah. you don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, the same thing with, with dog play. Um, if you've got a dog who tends to be kind of the fun police with kids, people, other dogs, um, anything like that, getting them to ignore that um, can be really challenging. So that positive interrupter is probably the better option, I would say there. Um, I, I mean, again, we're kind of, we're, uh, depends on how you teach it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just all sorts of stuff where a lot of what we want to do um, is getting the dog to, to disengage from one thing and re-engage with us. And anytime that's what you want, then the leave it slash positive interrupter is going to be what you're reaching for. Yeah. And this comes up over and over again with my clients. Well, what do I do when my dog is doing something I don't like? And you know, that's, I, I feel like there's a big deficit in positive reinforcement training of helping our clients understand how to react to behaviors that they don't like, because, you know, we don't jump to punishment. What do we do? Like, what do we, what do we tell our yeah. clients is okay to do? Positive interrupter is the answer. It's the answer. Mm -hmm. Stop your dog from what they're doing give them something else to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Invaluable. And again, you know, not just for holiday gatherings for life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I have, I have one like little kind of question pushback that I'm wondering if some of our listeners may have about the positive interrupter, which is how do you ensure that you don't create accidental behavior chains of the dog jumping on little cousin, Timmy, you yelling bacon, the dog coming back to you for bacon and then going to jump on Timmy again right. until you give the positive interrupter again. So what, how do we prevent that person? So what I would say is if you notice that there's a pattern, you need to be proactive and step in. So if your dog jumps on little cousin Timmy and you interrupt it and he comes back over to you and you go, good boy, here's your treat, whatever. And then dog goes back over and jumps on cousin Timmy again that's where, you know, the adults with the big brains need to go, what can I give my dog to do instead? Yeah. So, or what do I need to do to keep this from happening? Do I need to put him on a leash? Do I need to give him a bully stick and a mat? Do I need to put him in the other room? Um, what, what would I like for my dog to do instead? Mm -hmm. In the moment is not the time to try training it. So, yeah. I mean, or it could be, I mean, if you want to dedicate that time to training your dog to approach little cousin Timmy on all four feet, but generally speaking, that's not when I would choose to say like, oh, hey, you should get out your treats and practice. Um, that would be a time to get your dog something else to do so that they're not learning the habit of jump on somebody, jump down, get a treat, jump on somebody, jump down, get a treat. The missing piece there is your dog needs to understand what the appropriate thing to do in that situation would be. So you're not just interrupting it over and over and over again for the rest mm -hmm. of their, your dog's life. So yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, one that I definitely hear from clients, like, well, if I just keep interrupting it, isn't my dog going to learn that they can do it and then stop and then get a treat? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. Why. So that's where yeah, yeah. prevention is going to have to be part of this. That's where prevention and training comes in. So yeah. what would you, how can you keep your dog from counter surfing and what would you like for them to do when they're in the kitchen? So those are those other pieces like, yes, interrupted in the moment, but don't rely on that interruption to teach them what they should be doing instead. So great question. Yeah, um, and then the last behavior that I put on there, hand targeting. So I think when we did our top five, you and I both chose hand targeting as our first 
as our number yeah, one behavior. Yeah, I think th- that was number one. And then it, we might have had the same number two of Matt and Network. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I think for like, yeah, the, both, of, both of those skills were very, very high on the list for both of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh, I love hand targets. Um, one of my favorite things with hand targets, you know, kind of circling back to being an advocate for your dog and helping family members interact in a better way with your dog. God, hand targets are awesome for that. It's one of, it's the first thing I t- try to teach fearful dogs if they're ready for a hand target. Yeah. Um, because it gives them a way to be like, all right, I'm going to walk up to this person. I'm going to touch their nose with my hand and then I'm going to walk back to my person and I'm going to get a treat. I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to expect. I know how long it'll take. Yeah. Yeah. Very predictable. Agree. Um, And you can also use it. I, I think I, I was thinking about it. I don't think I've actually taught a positive interrupter quite the way that you described. Mm -hmm. My hand target is my positive interrupter. Yeah. Fair. I mean, I, so I'm living with two dogs currently. Um, Jax uh, is going to be with me for a while now, at least. Um, And I have been using hand targets all the time. It's actually really nice. They have different cues for hand targets as well. So Barley is boop and Jax is touch. Um, And I've used that multiple times to diffuse, you know, an argument over a toy, some concern over a food puzzle that I forgot to pick up, you know, all these management failures. I use the hand targets to help get me out of it because I do have two dogs that um, have big feelings about toys in particular. And um, we have not had a fight yet, Um, but it is awesome. um, (laughs) You know, it's not, it's largely thank you. Thanks to the hand targets and baby gates. Yeah. So it's a great way to have your dog meet um, other family members or friends. I also really like it for on and off the furniture. Yes. So maybe your dog is used to having access to the furniture and your, you know, host is not okay with that. And your dog Mm -hmm. jumps up and makes themselves comfortable rather than like dragging them off by their collar. If they'll come to a hand target, it's a great way to get them off the furniture without having to physically manipulate them um, mm-hmm. in and out of the car, in like you said, in through a baby gate, et cetera. Um, really, really, really versatile behavior. And yeah, for sure used as a positive interrupter if the behavior is really strong, which I find that dogs tend to really get into this behavior. I don't know why. Like Yes, yeah. They yeah, they see it, it almost seems to be fun for a lot of them. I think so too. I, I see a lot of enthusiasm with this behavior. Um, so it's a great one to, to have in your back pocket um, for situations like that. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see like dog is starting to counter surf or jump up to sniff on the table or whatever. And Oh, hand target away from the problem area uh, mm-hmm. is, a, is a perfect response. So Cool. Um, you know, one thing I want to mention, though, that I think we already said, but it bears repeating, you can't use it until you train it. So these yes. are not things that you want to start the morning of your gathering. Um, you want to start weeks in advance and do some practice every day and generalize it. Um, you also want to keep in mind that just because your dog is really good at it at home with just you doesn't mean yeah. that they're going to be really good at it at a gathering with 20 other people. So yeah. a strong reinforcement history is really important as well as generalizing the behaviors in different contexts. So practice in your home, practice on a walk, practice at the park, practice at the pet store, um, 
that will help your dog understand that the contingency exists. So if they do the behavior, they get the reinforcement. That's a contingency that exists in any context, not just sitting in your living room. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And just make sure that you're, you're layering in those distractions in a way that a, your dog can handle, but also adds enough challenge that it's going to be useful. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you're obviously not going to start out with practicing a leave it with a whole leg of a Turkey. Um, (laughs) But at some point, if you want to be able to really, really use this, you should be approaching some stuff that's difficult you know, just practicing with a couple pieces of kibble um, isn't going to cut it. Um, you know, your dog does need to be able to handle um, a lot of this. And if that is not going to happen in time for the holidays this year, that's okay. We can just use more management. Um, and it's but, always yeah. okay. It's always okay to not take your dog. Like, yes. I, we're going to give you, we're going to give you an out. You're off the hook. If, yep, say the Canine Conversations podcast told you not to bring your dog. Yes, send them to Ursa and Kayla and we will write you a note. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's always okay to if if you're really stressed out about it, if your dog is going to be really stressed out, if your family is going to escalate the stress or friends, um if you're dreading it, like it is yeah. okay to say I'm not bringing my dog and fi- make another arrangement. See if a f- another friend can watch them, see if you can board them or a pet sitter or just leave them at home. If you're not traveling far, like it is okay to say no, it's okay to bail and save yourself and your dog that stress. If you don't feel really good about your plan and you should have a plan, like don't go in thinking that you're going to fly by the seat. Yeah. Yeah. You should have a plan. And if it's a plan that you don't feel good about and you can't get to where you feel good about it, it's okay to just say the dog's not going to join us this year. And then just make them a really awesome Kong with pumpkin and cranberries and yogurt and whatever, and, and let them turkey (laughs) and let them enjoy a nice, uh, relaxing day (laughs) and then take them for an extra special walk later. Like your dog will be much happier, um, in a context that they're comfortable in than, uh, than one that they're not that stresses them out. So yeah. You have- I mean, I know that's my plan for Thanksgiving this year is I think Barley is probably going to be boarded. Um, yeah. And it's okay. so kind of exciting, but, um, and, and I'm not even going to see a huge family party. You know, I, my plan right. right now is to go to the West Yellowstone Nordic ski festival. Um, yeah. but he is not invited to go cross country skiing all day with me. Um, right. <laughs> unfortunately, because oh. there are lessons involved and not just cane across. Yeah, uh, ski shore. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, you know, yeah, you know, he's good in the hotel, but is it really worth bringing him if I'm going to be out of the hotel eight yeah. hours a day? Yeah, exactly. Um, Let somebody we'll else shower him with attention. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. King Barley deserves everything in the world and he will get it. Totally. Because <laughs> yeah, he's, he's king of the world. Exactly. <laughs> well, is there oh, cool. anything else that you wanted to add? Anything we've missed? Um, I think this kind of goes, uh, like, I, I, I just want to say this explicitly, but I think we've already touched on it as far as, you know, it's okay not to bring your dog, being an advocate for your dog, um, knowing when to bail. Um, but it's, have a plan, but it's okay to change it, you know? And I think oh, yeah. we've talked about this previously with um, leash skills, we're just, or uh, off-leash skills, where just because your dog generally is pretty good off leash doesn't mean you're never going to clip the leash on. And just because your dog is generally really good at these gatherings doesn't mean 
there's anything wrong with being like, you know, he's having a weird day. He seems tired. I'm mm-hmm. going to put him in the, the back bedroom or we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to run him home and then come back or yeah, be adaptable. You know, whatever. Be adaptable. Yeah, be adaptable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, be willing to call it early. Um, I would say in general, probably don't push it longer than your original plan had just because the dog looks like he's doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, because you would rather quit while you're ahead. Um, yes. Quit while you're but, ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be adaptable, you know? Yeah. So I agree. I agree. There's no shame in, in assessing a situation and going, this isn't going how I planned. I'm going to change to make it better. That's, that's life. That's what we need. Yeah. We all need to be doing right in life. So yeah, I agree. That's a great, great point. Yeah. And it's okay not to want to be in dog trainer mode. You know, I know I don't want to be. Um, yeah, like I get same. paid for this all the time. I don't really want to do that on, yeah. you know, my holidays. So I would really rather leave the dog at home in general. Yes. And mm-hmm. that brings me to my last point, which is if you're at a gathering where a lot of people don't know you, don't say you're a dog trainer. Say that you work at a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them you're an accountant. Tell them you're an accountant. <laughs> Other um, than for your help. Um, that's true. Unless you want to be giving dog training advice and or arguing all night <laughs> with people who think they know about dog training. No, just kidding. I know I always no. jokingly say that I'm going to lie about what I do so I don't have to give advice, but I never do because I really like talking about dogs. Same. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I um, hope that everybody has a relaxing and fulfilling and refreshing and restoring holiday season. Um, just going to put that vibe out there. I hope that it, I hope we can redeem this year <laughs> and, and all have a fulfilling holiday season. So we wish everybody the best, um, with that. If you have questions, tips, if you want to share a funny holiday story, please reach out to us. Um, you can, Reach us at hello at canineconvos.com, or you can leave a comment wherever you listen. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. I am Ursa Acri, the co-owner of Canis Major Dog Training in Denver, Colorado. And we specialize in pet dog training and behavior modification. We offer private training, both in-person and remote, as well as training hikes and puppy socials. Awesome. And I'm Kayla Fratt. I'm from journeydogtraining.com. You guys can find me online, journeydogtraining.com. I work with people in person in Missoula, but the bulk of my business is remote online. Um, so you guys can work with me from wherever. Anywhere, literally. Yep. <laughs> Before Call we go to the space station. I would love it. Ooh, that would be so cool. Yeah. No We're having a weird problem with our accent. Yeah, I mean, not anymore, but I mean, <laughs> Russia anymore. sent that one dog up and yeah. it didn't go well. I know. Um, I know. I, oh. And see, space is so cool. And like growing, and of course, you know, my name is Ursa Major. So I was obsessed with astronomy growing up and I wanted to be an astronaut. But now I'm like, you know, there are no dogs in space. So I'm not so sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm much more of a deep sea person than space. I It's my like favorite contentious thing and like meaningless Ooh. thing to about is to like tell people how much I hate space. <laughs> That's <laughs> really that's really niche <laughs> yeah it's just it's a fun thing to get a rise out of people for like people get it. so offended when i'm like no screw mars i want to go to the bottom of the ocean there are no dogs in the mariana trench either though 
Right, but there are a lot of really cool, weird octopuses. I know. My son and I were just looking at that the other day. Actually, he's really obsessed with deep space or deep deep sea. You guys should talk. Yeah, <laughs> we should. Yeah, I I will gladly look at jellyfish with him for hours. He would love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're leaving. Yes, we're going. Okay, for real now. Um, All right. Before we go, we want to make sure that you subscribe to Canine Conversations wherever you find your podcasts. You can find episode notes and bonus materials at canineconvos.com. And you can also contact us at hello at canineconvos.com. That's canine all spelled out. And we would absolutely love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.